Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey, real quick, this episode is brought to you by Progressive where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hello, hello, and welcome to the new Mindset Who Dis podcast. My name is Case Kenny at Case.Kenny on Instagram, and this is my weekly podcast where I create short, no BS episodes dedicated to helping you be the person you're meant to be, leave your comfort zone, and live a fulfilling and purposeful life. Let's go. Welcome to episode 327. Hello, my friend. Welcome to a fresh new episode of New Mindset Who Dis. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting me. And wow, I, the, the response to last episode on why men lose interest has been insane. Uh, it's always nice to know, of course, that a topic resonates with you. Um, but it's also great to know that it's helpful. <laughs> Imagine that. Um, and that was last episode. And that's always my goal, of course. And following that episode, I got so many DMs about the topic how men view relationships, on why men lose interest, but more specifically on the idea of attachment styles, because that's eventually where the episode went, right? It wasn't men versus women or anything like that. It was on the idea of who is aware of their attachment style, or rather who is unaware of their attachment style. And I got all these great DMs about this and a conversation around it of what attachment style am I? How do I find out? Is there a quiz? Or what does it mean if my attachment style is this or that? Or can I have more than one attachment style? All these great questions and comments on the episode. And so in a first for the podcast, I want to do a part two episode. Part two that builds on part one. Part one being last episode. And again, last episode, I talked about the way that men look at a relationship in its early stages versus how women. And then from there, I talked about how a lot of men in particular, judging from my own experience um, and myself included in this for a long time, are just unaware of their attachment style. They're unaware of how they view themselves in relation to others. They're unaware of how their upbringing causes them to have certain anxieties or uncertainties or viewpoints in the context of relationships. And they're unaware of the same in their partner. And that obviously creates a lot of problems. And that was kind of how I ended that, that episode, that if you're dating someone, man or woman, or however you identify, and that person loses interest in you, 
for one, you can't force them to change and you shouldn't want to, but two, you can't force self-awareness on someone, self-awareness around why they're acting a certain way, reacting a certain way, acting out in a certain way. And so following that episode, I got to thinking more about this, about this self-awareness, about this self-awareness around attachment styles. And attachment styles, again, is just this idea rooted in psychology that describes how we behave and how we think in the context of a relationship, how we think and how we behave that was conditioned in large part by our upbringing and then evolved with us as we got older and reinforced as we got older. You know, these questions of, are you anxious? Are you secure? Do you feel that you need someone or you don't need someone? Are you desperate to please someone, to connect with someone? Are you desperate for that validation? Or maybe on the flip side, are you emotionally unavailable asking yourself those questions and then asking yourself those asking your partner those questions as well or trying to figure out the answers to those questions so i was thinking about all of this all of this idea really powerful stuff of course to be able to pinpoint and define your tendencies in dating or someone else's tendencies in dating it's powerful stuff being able to answer those questions is amazing it's great to be able to say I know why I tend to do these things because I am this attachment style or that attachment style or this was my upbringing and here's how I've evolved as a result. Wow, that's incredible. And I got so many DMs from people saying that they've thought a lot about this. Maybe they've taken one of those quizzes or something like that and they have an anxious attachment style. And so I was thinking about that. I was thinking about my own attachment styles. I took another quiz. (laughs) I read probably, I don't know, two dozen articles on this, a bunch of studies on the science behind it, how these styles were originally labeled and defined. And it's really interesting. It's really interesting. But now it's like, and maybe you too, we're at this point where it's like, okay, I know my attachment style. I tend to know where I get tripped up in a relationship. I, I know, I understand why my ex acted out in our relationship well, well, now what? What do I do? What do I do with this self-awareness? Um, and this is the way I tend to think, right? It's like, what do you do with self-awareness? It's one thing to be like, I'm an anxious attachment style person. I'm aware of this. Well, now what do I do? Or like, it's like, I am ENTJ or INTF or whatever. Cool. I'm aware. What do I do? I'm aware that I overcompensate in a relationship. I'm aware that I tend to crave reassurance. Okay. Well, now what? (laughs) What do I do with this information? And that is what I want to talk about in this episode. Once you know your attachment style, once you become aware of your attachment style, then what? (laughs) Then what? You know the issues you face when it comes to dating or in relationship uh, with a long-term partner. You know the insecurities you have regarding intimacy or connection or jealousy or doubt, whatever it is. Now what? Now what? Because labels are great. Labels, knowing your attachment style is great. It helps us simplify ourselves. It helps us simplify the world around us. It helps explain the what. It explains the why. But what comes next? Which I guess you can call the how. What do you do with the fact that you're one attachment style and your partner is another? What do you do with the fact that you've struggled in dating because you yourself are an anxious attachment type and you keep dating other anxious attachment types and that causes issue? Well, I've come up with some thoughts on this and I think it'll be helpful. I think it'll be helpful because it'll answer the question of what do I do? (laughs) What's next? 
it'll answer the question of what verbs can you use to empower yourself? You know, I love verbs, <laughs> actions, not just labels, not just adjectives, not just self-awareness, but action, doing something with it. And I've spent a lot of time trying to understand why I am the way I am, but I like to do something with it. That is where the real power in life comes from. Here's who I've discovered I am. I've practiced mindfulness. I've practiced self-awareness. Boom. Now here's what I'm going to do with it. And I've always have found that that approach to life is powerful because it creates change. And I think we could all change in good ways in our life. So I'm going to hop right into it before I do quick 30 second one breath promo. It's that if you like my content and you're digging it and you're looking for a way to support me and further empower yourself, I'd love it if you check out newmindsethudis.com, pick up a journal. I'm so grateful when you do. So thank you. And that's it. But let's get into it. And let's start with a quick review. Let's let's review attachment styles real quick. I think it'll be helpful. Even if even if you're familiar, I think it's always helpful to to find common ground here. What is your attachment style? Personally, I've been aware of this idea of attachment styles for quite some time, but uh, frankly, it never really gave it much thought. Like to me, it was just another label to help describe an insecurity or a mindset or a habit that I had. I was like, how is that that much helpful? So what I'm this or so what I'm that. But I've evolved, of course, and I think there's something very powerful about understanding why you are the way you are. So a couple minute recap here on the four types of attachment styles, and then I'll discuss what to do with them. And so the first attachment style is referred to as secure attachment. And this is obviously the one that you kind of want to have. If you could design your attachment style, this is what you'd want. This is what you'd want in a partner. It's where you have a stable, a comfortable, a secure expectation of yourself in a relationship. You're confident in yourself and what you bring to the table. You, of course, have insecurities just like everyone else. You're not some robot, but you know your worth and you're comfortable in being vulnerable with your partner. You don't overreact. You don't overthink. You communicate and you listen and you're just not prone to not being present in the relationship because you're communicating. And this is attachment style is born, as are all of them, in your childhood in some way. Um, and a secure attachment style is derived from when you're growing up, when you're being raised, of having present, loving, stable, consistent uh, parents or whoever raised you. And those people are honest and secure and it's just consistent. And that translated in a way into your adulthood where you have a more confident and stable understanding of yourself and who you are and what you need in a relationship. So that's the secure attachment style type. And if that's you, that's fantastic. But obviously, if everyone was a secure attachment style person, we'd have no issues. <laughs> we'd have far fewer issues in relationships. But clearly, we all have issues in some way. We've all come across people who have issues. So up next are the ones where I think many of us fall in some way. And the next one is called anxious attachment style. This is the attachment style. Um, and again, this could be you or this could be your partner or whoever you're dating. So think about it from your own lens, looking at yourself, but also think about it looking at them as well. But this is the attachment style where, frankly, there's anxiety. <laughs> we'll use the word to describe the word. You are anxious because you overly crave connection and partnership, but it's very much tempered by inconsistency. 
inconsistency. It's where it's balanced by hot and cold, overthinking, insecurity. One day you think you're great, you're very worthy, the next you're not, you're going to be forever alone. And that can manifest in many different ways where you become desperate to prove your worth or win affection. You turn into that kind of stage five clingy person where you're overly invested in someone because you're afraid they'll leave you or choose someone else. And so you just dig in even further, all because you're you're afraid of being alone. And simply put, I think this attachment style is you're just you're easily triggered. You easily flip a switch from being confident to needing that reassurance from worth to kind of a subtle desperation. And a lot of times then it can result in this self-sabotage. Um, and again, this could be you or your partner, but as with any attachment style, this one again is created in childhood. Uh, same idea. You had kind of an inconsistent upbringing where there was inconsistency with your parents and the intimacy they shared with you. The attention they gave you was hot and cold there. And then it wasn't, you had to fight for their attention or their affection or their compassion. So those are the first two ones. I think they're pretty easy to understand. One is secure and one is a bit anxious. Um, and there's two more, and I've seen different names for these, but I'll use the two most common ones that I found in my research. And again, I didn't come up with these. <laughs> Some folks a lot smarter than me and more studied in psychology formerly came up with these. I'm just summarizing these here um, so that we could be on the same page and find some common ground and then decide what we should do with them. So the third one referred to as avoidant dismissive. And this is a type, this is someone who is avoidant in a dismissive way. They say that a relationship isn't that important in their life. They're very independent, they rely on themselves, they're stubborn in that effect. They don't need someone else. They're all in on them. And while I think aspects of that can be great, of course, um, I think that the big downside to this, of course, is a lack of emotional awareness, maturity. They're kind of numb in that sense. I think emotionally unavailable would be the key word here. And again, this one, born in childhood, like the other ones, came from parents who were probably the same way emotionally lacking in, in some way. Again, this nothing's malicious here, but um, emotionally lacking in some way. As a kid, you had to rely on yourself to figure things out and teach yourself and grow. And that, in effect, taught you that you don't need anyone else in that way. And it led to this understanding, this perspective of intimacy and connection. So that's that one, avoidant dismissive. Last one called fearful avoidant avoid and fearful, whatever the order, however you want to word these. And this one, similarly, is someone who's avoidant, but rather than being avoided in a dismissive way, it's in a fearful way. So avoidant, dismissive kind of throws aside the importance of a relationship because they're their own ride or die. And they're, they're kind of emotionally unavailable in that sense. But this is one where it's fearful avoidance and it's where you want that relationship, but you're burdened by a sense of fear. It's fear that you don't have what it takes, fear that you're too indecisive, fear that you're going to be left. And you're probably aware of these feelings, but they're, they're tough to control. Of course, um, you're afraid that you'll be hurt, that you'll hurt them, that they'll, you'll let their partner down, that they'll abandon you. And that obviously results in a lot of um, acting out and overthinking. And I think the headline here is that this type of attachment style, um, this person is afraid of getting too close to someone out of fear of being hurt. 
That's fear of abandonment, fear of intimacy, I think is one as well, fear of rejection, fear of commitment, and so on, those big fears. And I've read a lot about this one. I've heard that this one can result in abusive relationships, toxic relationships, anything with a context of fear and avoidance. And again, like the other ones, this one was created in childhood with parents who were alike, cold in a sense. You wanted to feel wanted, but you struggled to feel it. And so you evolved with yourself as you grew up. So that's the summary real quick. I don't, I don't really want to focus this episode on each attachment style because I didn't come up with them, of course. And you can come up with kind of which one you relate to most. There's plenty of quizzes. Just Google it. Maybe I'll share one on Instagram, but that's the summary, right? And I think it's helpful so that we're all on the same page. We can at least for this exercise, place ourselves in a box. So we have some common ground of, um, from which to go off of here. So Think about those definitions again for a moment. Think about those four styles. Personally, I like them. I think they're great because I think they cover what I think are the main mindset frames or states of mind in dating or being in a relationship. Really, it's just three categories. Um, If you think about it, it's anxious, it's avoidant, or it's secure. And secure is great, so we won't really talk about that. So we're left with anxious and avoidant. Hey, real quick, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. And you know, if you're like me, you're always wishing for more time in life, right? Like, I wish I had more time. I wish I had more time to do blank. I wish, I wish, I wish. And as much as practically having a couple more hours in a day would be cool, a bit more time to do what we love instead of jobs and responsibilities, it begs the question, what would we do with that time? Not just wishful, I want more time, but for what? What would I do with that time? What really matters to me? What brings me joy? What enhances my life instead of just filling time and space with? Well, to answer that question, I think therapy can help. Therapy can help you find what matters so you can do more of it. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash New Mindset today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash New Mindset. Hey, real quick, this episode is sponsored by Quince. And I'm a pretty simple guy, a man of simple pleasures, but I do occasionally like to dress up and step out. And that's why I'm excited to work with Quince to help me elevate my style without breaking the bank. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And that's why their items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they have all the must-haves like Mongolian cashmere crew neck sweaters from $50, 100% leather jackets, and versatile flow knit activewear. Quince was kind enough to hook me up with a sick gold Cuban bracelet and a really stylish performance flow knit t-shirt. Really my style, simple but with a pop of luxury, and as advertised, it was very affordable. So indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash new mindset for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash new mindset to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash new mindset. Avoidant, it's you don't really need someone. You're skeptical of intimacy or you're afraid of abandonment. So you avoid emotional connection with others or you struggle with it a lot or anxious. 
You want someone, of course, but it's ripe with insecurities and ups and downs. You're afraid of being alone. So think about those. Think about which you feel the most. And definitely, I think you can fall into multiple groups. I think you could have different attachment styles for sure. You could have different attachment styles with different people. Absolutely. But think back to your childhood for one. I think if you if you do that exercise in relation to your upbringing, it might become even more clear because as much as sometimes I think that, you know, I outgrew my childhood or we all outgrow being a child, um, I think for sure our understanding of intimacy, our hunger for it, our sense of worth around it is definitely born in our childhood. Um, I used to think that was silly, but it's so, so, so true. But I'll leave that subject there and that might be a subject for another day. But think about that. And so now maybe you're like, okay, I'm, I'm very much avoidant or anxious or somewhere in there. Or like, wow, my ex was definitely avoidant or anxious. That explains a lot, right? So think about that. I've been thinking a lot about that, uh, this idea of changing. Because obviously the idea here would be that you change and you evolve to become a secure attachment style. That you evolve and you find someone, your partner, who is also a secure attachment style. But thinking about this, you know, changing an insecurity isn't as simple as knowing that you're insecure, knowing why you're insecure, and then being like, okay, I won't be insecure anymore. <laughs> I wish life was that simple. You know, there's got to be more than a label and self-awareness. You can't be like, oh, okay, well, I am avoidant dismissive in a relationship. I avoid intimacy. So from here on out, I'm going to seek out intimacy. Like, it's not that simple. You can't be like, I am an anxious attachment style type person. I get insecure a lot. I need reassurance a lot. From here on out, I am secure. I am good to go. <laughs> like, I wish, I wish you could convert self-awareness like that but you can't. And that's the reality of life. So what do you do? Well, to me, I think it's that now that you know your reaction or your overthinking or your hesitancy in relationships, and you have some insight into why someone else might react or overreact in the same way, you can actually do something about it. Namely, you can recognize the triggers and you can train yourself to realize that a trigger doesn't always need to be acted on in the way you want in the way you always have, in the way that your upbringing evolved you to want to do. Triggers. So that's the big takeaway here. And here's what I mean. Think about some of the negative things you've experienced yourself in dating or in a partner, right? Things like insecurity, clinginess, distrust, jealousy, desperation, things like that. Now, let's think about those things within the context of what triggered them. Because those are just reactions. Those are negative emotions, but they're reactions. Insecure, clingy, jealous, distrust, and so on. You're reacting to something. They're human reactions. You can't stop being human. And you can't just be like, well, I just, you know, I just, I'm just going to change. I'm just going to become secure. So you can't do that. But what you can do is realize what triggered those responses. Because those responses are responses to how you were brought up yes, and they've evolved with you as you've grown, yes, but in the immediate, in the present world of you, in the present world of dating, you can sit down and ask yourself, what actions or thoughts or things that I see or hear trigger those responses? And if you can realize what those triggers are, you can literally, I'm literally talking about writing them down and defining them. 
so that the next time you see them, either in yourself or in your partner, you can say, whoa, my attachment style dictates that I respond to this trigger. But because I'm aware of what the trigger is, I'm not going to. I'm not going to. And a lot of times, the life that you want, the person you want to become, is a result of stopping doing certain things. It's not always an elaborate change and growth that comes from saying no to the things that you normally want to do, that you've been conditioned to do. And I think that's a very powerful way to live. Identify the trigger and then don't respond to the trigger. <laughs> that's how you change. Sounds overly simplified, of course, and I know it is, but to me, this has been very helpful. Identify the trigger, don't respond to the trigger. But first, you need to know what the trigger is so you're not just acting and reacting in a blind way. So ask yourself, what are some of the triggers that cause your anxious attachment style to come to life? Your I need reassurance or the flip side, I don't need anyone. I'm afraid of being abandoned, whatever it is, that which in turn causes issues with yourself, with your partner. Triggers, what are they? I've listed out a couple here to get you thinking, but the first one I've noticed is a lot of times we're triggered by independence in a partner or in someone we're dating or someone we're even thinking about dating. That's when your partner is independent or they start acting independent or they decide to do something independently. That's when your attachment style goes into overdrive. You start to think they'll leave you, that they don't want to do things with you. You start to think they no longer want you, things like that. Trigger one. Trigger two, that person has interests that don't involve you. Kind of similar there. It could be hobbies. It could be going out with friends. It could be family. It could be work, whatever it is, but it doesn't involve you. And your attachment style kicks in because you likely need validation or you start to worry that their interest in you is waning and so on. Trigger two, trigger three. In a similar vein, these are all kind of related. Some kind of inconsistency. Like the person you're dated or you just started dating, you're thinking about dating, they say one thing, but then they don't follow up on it in, in the way that you wanted or the timeline that you wanted. They're, they're all in, you see each other frequently, but then you have a week of all off, a busy week or something like that. And your attachment style starts to turn that into an insecurity, that that inconsistency, that that break in a pattern means something negative. And you go to that place because your attachment style uh, urges you to. Um, so that's three. And I'll just list out a couple more here because you get the idea. But a lot of times we're just, we're triggered by small, subtle things, words, actions, observations. Another one is your partner bringing up an ex. I think that could be triggering if you don't deal with it. Um, not getting enough quality time with your partner. That can absolutely be triggering, especially if you'd say your love language is quality time. Um, their friends, what their friends say, what their friends do. You could start overthinking, well, their friends are like this and this person is like this and your attachment style can go nuts there. So I can list a bunch of these, but I think you get the point. These are triggers, triggers. And if you want to change your uh, attachment style, and I would say it's not even change, it's evolve your attachment style from whatever it is currently to one of being secure. Well, that takes a lot of self-awareness which hopefully you can get from really diving into your childhood and examining yourself. And that's totally doable. That's how you come up with which attachment style you are. But after that, you have to do something with it. Emphasis on do, emphasis on change, emphasis on evolve. And not just like binary change, like I'm going to stop being avoidant. I'm going to stop being anxious. You've got to train yourself in how you react to the thing that triggers you to become that way. 
It's like, you've got to skip to the front of the line. <laughs> That's what you got to do. And that is how change is done. How you react to triggers, how you react to triggers that normally elicit fear or anxiousness or avoidant responses, right? The attachment styles triggers that normally lead you to sabotage in some way triggers that normally lead you to overthink in some way or form resentment in some way, whatever it may be. That is you. That is you looking in the mirror and understanding what those triggers are. That's you and your trigger. And that is so actionable. You can change how you react to something. And also think about this in a relationship in relation to the person that you're dating. What triggers them? What might their attachment style be? And in digging through all this and all the studies that have been done, there's a lot of evidence to support like patterns and who and the type of person you're inherently attracted to given your attachment style, given their attachment style. It's a wild world. Like an anxious attachment type tends to attract avoidant attachment types because the avoidant loves the attention, but they don't in turn reciprocate it. And then on the other end, the anxious type digs in further and further and around and around we go. So think about that dynamic as well. Obviously, I think it'd be great to find someone who is secure. That's ideal. But that's not always practical, right? Not everyone's perfect. So consider that. But consider the context you're putting yourself in, the triggers that will be brought about by someone who has an avoidant or anxious style. You can learn that they're going to be present. But a trigger is a trigger, and it only triggers you if you choose to react to it. And think about it in the same way that you're, you're trained to react in a certain way. Why they're there. And then write that trigger down. And I think this approach to your attachment style is actionable. This is what to do with your attachment style. It's step two. Step one, know what it is. That's great. So many fantastic resources out there. Step two, what do you do with it? To me, that is how you evolve. Self-awareness is step one. Absolutely. Know why you are the way you are. Think about which bucket you might fall into. Think about how certain people in your life have brought out that bucket, that style in you and your mindset. But then step two, define what triggers that. Think about what brought it out, what brought out that need for validation, that need to retreat, that need to sabotage, that need to you know, validate, that need, that fear of being alone what action, what context brought it out. And usually I think the, the fact of the matter is it's not out of the blue. You know, usually reacting in tune with your attachment style, it's in reaction to something that was said or done, something you saw, something you assumed about someone else. Think about what those triggers are. Remember that trigger, write it down, why not? And moving forward, you can reference that. You can remember that because life has patterns to it you'll see the same triggers over and over and over again. And you'll see other people react to the same triggers over and over and over again. There's a, there's a little bit of predictability to life, which I think is, is great because you could train yourself to see it, to see it. You've got like powerful x-ray vision. You could see the triggers. And now you can say, I know why, for instance, that person is doing this. I know why that person decided to ghost or lost interest. I can't force self-awareness on them. But more important than that, in yourself, in your life, you could say, I know what this trigger wants me to do. I know what I used to do. I know what I want to do, but I'm going to hold that judgment. I'm not going to do that. And that's so powerful, like incredibly, incredibly powerful because then in effect, you're pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. And that's a comfort zone that previously says, do the comforting thing. That's what you grew up doing. 
That's what you've always known. It's how you've always thought. It's how you always thought about your fear of abandonment or assuming that a certain word or action means something negative. You've always done that. But now that you know the trigger, you can push yourself to not react in the same way you always have. And it's not easy, of course. This is all, I'm very optimistic about this, but doing that, however consistent you can, it builds compassion for yourself. And compassion is the core ingredient in evolving into having a stable attachment style. And I think when you start to take control of what you react to, that's again, via the awareness of what triggers you, that opens the door for you to see clearly. And when you see clearly, then you find you attract people who are more stable. And that is what you deserve. Of course, you deserve someone who has an attachment style that has evolved to being stable. Someone who has the stability and warmth about them. Someone who minimizes the triggers, who doesn't exacerbate the triggers. But to find that person, you have to fight your own triggers. Those are triggers that want connection or validation, even if it's with the wrong person. And those are triggers that cause you a lot to overlook whether someone is right for you or not. Those are triggers that make you rush and that make you, you know, forget that you should have patience. But if you can train yourself to know what triggers you, you can look it in the eye and because you know why you are the way you are and because you've taken the time to remember the triggers and identify the triggers, you can overcome them. And what a power move that is. What a celebration of self-love that is, that even though your childhood and your upbringing and so much of your adult life has been predicated on one early understanding of love and intimacy, you, because you've grown so much and because you're practicing that self-love, you get to decide to create a future and a partnership and connection that rewards change, that rewards growth, and that rewards compassion for yourself. So that's it. Went a little longer with this episode, but that's part two on this idea of self-awareness and attachment styles. I'll end it right there. I hope that was helpful. If it was, I'd love it if you'd share it with a friend, send them the link, tell them I do new episodes every Monday and every Thursday. And as always, thank you so much for visiting newmindsethudis.com, for dropping a five-star rating and review if you listen on Apple Podcasts. But that is it. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for supporting me. And until next episode, I'm out. Time again, time to start thinking taxes. But this tax smart move for 2023 could make it less painful. Open and fund a Fidelity IRA before the tax deadline. You could reduce your taxable income in a traditional IRA or get tax-free withdrawals in retirement with a Roth IRA. Plus, there are no account fees or minimums to open an account. Get started at fidelity.com slash IRA. No account fees or minimums apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Fidelity Brokerage Services member NYSE SIPC. 
It's time to breathe easier this allergy season with Breathe Right Nasal Strips. With instant nasal congestion relief for up to 12 hours, you can spend your time on your terms, not on your noses. Stuffy nose from outdoor allergens? No problem. We got you. Allergy season just turned into stripping season. Instant relief from nasal congestion anytime, anywhere. Need more convincing? Click the banner below and get a free sample. Breathe Right. Get your strip on. Use as directed.